Amen. That was good singing. We're going to turn together now to God's precious word. And our scripture reading is taken from that little letter to Philemon, uh, just before Paul's letter to the Hebrews. And so we're looking today at Philemon. And there only is the one chapter. This is the shortest of Paul's letters. And it consists of just 25 verses. And so it is a short letter. We want to read it together. And as we read it, you will find that it is a wonderful picture of the grace of God. A wonderful story of grace from this little letter to Philemon. And so if you have found the portion... Just the letter before Hebrews, that's probably the easiest way to find it. Philemon, and commencing at verse 1. Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ, and Timothy, our brother, unto Philemon, our dearly beloved and fellow laborer, and to our beloved Aphia, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church in thy house, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God, making mention of thee always in my prayers, hearing of thy love and faith which thou hast toward the Lord Jesus and toward all saints, that the communication of thy faith may become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. For we have great joy and consolation in thy love, because the bowels of the saints are refreshed by thee, brother. Wherefore, though I might be much bold in Christ to enjoin thee that which is convenient, Yet for love's sake, I rather beseech thee, being such an one as Paul the aged, and now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ, I beseech thee for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten in my bonds, which in time past was to thee unprofitable, but now profitable to thee and to me whom I have sent again, thou therefore receive him, that is, mine own bowels, whom I would have retained with me, that in thy stead he might have ministered unto me in the bonds of the gospel. But without thy mind would I do nothing, that thy benefit should not be as it were of necessity, but willingly." For perhaps he therefore departed for a season, that thou shouldest receive him forever, not now as a servant, but above a servant, a brother beloved, specially to me, but how much more unto thee, both in the flesh and in the Lord. If thou count me therefore a partner, receive him as myself if he hath wronged thee or oweth thee aught, put that on mine account. I, Paul, have written it with mine own hand. I will repay it, albeit I do not say to thee how thou owest unto me even thine own self besides. 
Yea, brother, let me have joy of thee in the Lord. Refresh my bowels in the Lord. Having confidence in thy obedience, I wrote unto thee, knowing that thou wilt also do more than I say. But withal, prepare me also a lodging, for I trust that through your prayers I shall be given unto you. There salute thee, Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, Marcus, Aristarchus, Demas, Lucas, my fellow laborers, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. Amen. And may the Lord bless the reading of this epistle to each one of our hearts this morning. Amen. We have been reading together from Philemon, and there just is the one chapter in Philemon, and we have read uh, the whole of that chapter, the 25 verses together. And if you were following in the Bible reading, we have been reading about the rescue of the runaway, the rescue of the runaway. And that's what I want us to think about a little bit together here in God's house this morning. We'll unite together in prayer, seeking the help of the Lord for the ministry of his word. Our heavenly Father and our gracious God, we do praise thee for thine own precious and infallible word. And we thank thee, our Father, for the privilege of being able to open up the scriptures and to meditate upon that word. And we ask today for each one of us that it would prove to be that lamp onto our feet and that light onto our path. Guide and direct our steps, O God, and may the entrance of thy word even give light to hearts here gathered. Hear our prayer, O God, and close us into thee and give us the help of thy spirit in the ministry of thy word. We ask these things for Jesus' sake. Amen. Well, Paul's letter to Philemon, it centers around an individual. And that individual's name is Onesimus. And Onesimus had been a servant in the household of Philemon. But there was a problem. He fled from the house of Philemon. He wronged his master and he absconded. And Onesimus found his way to the city of Rome. A city, of course, with multitudes of people. And in the throngs of people, Onesimus no doubt thought that he could hide away. He could hide away there amongst the crowds and he could live as he pleased, far away from his master. But in the providence of God, this young man was to meet the Apostle Paul. And he was to come under the ministry and under the witness of the Apostle Paul. And Onesimus was to get gloriously and wonderfully saved. This runaway servant was converted to the Lord Jesus Christ through the Apostle Paul. When you look down this short letter to verse 10, 
as Paul begins to speak in the letter to Philemon about the subject of the letter, he says, I beseech thee for my son Onesimus, my son. He wasn't his son naturally. He was his son spiritually. In other words, the apostle Paul had the great joy of being able to point Onesimus to the Lord Jesus Christ. And as Paul writes now to Philemon, and he's telling him about that, he says, Onesimus is my son in the faith. Verse 10 goes on, he says, whom I have begotten in my bonds. Begotten. He's speaking about birth. He's speaking about the new birth. He's speaking about Onesimus being born again of the Holy Spirit of God. And here the new convert became a great source of help and encouragement to the Apostle Paul. And while Paul would love to have kept Onesimus with him, they both knew that he had to return. He had to go back to Philemon. And he had to put right the wrong. Therefore Onesimus agrees to retrace his steps back to Colossae where Philemon was from. And as he goes, the Apostle Paul gives him this very letter. This letter that we have read together. If you look down to the very end of the letter, you'll see after verse 25, it says there, it was written from Rome to Philemon by Onesimus, a servant. And so Paul, when he writes this letter and he's sending Onesimus back to Philemon, he said to Onesimus, take this letter with you. A letter from the apostle Paul. And so Paul trusted him. He's giving him this letter of reference that he's to take back with him and he's to present it to Philemon when he meets him. The letter, as we see, contains the good news. Paul says to Philemon, he's now saved. Oh, he's a changed man. The grace of God has reached him. And Paul is beseeching Philemon to receive him back again. He may have wronged you. He may have run away from you. But forgive him. And receive him back again. When you look at verse 16. He's saying. Not now as a servant. You're not receiving him back as a servant. But above a servant. He's a brother beloved now. He's a brother in the Lord. Verse 17, if thou count me therefore a partner, receive him as myself. Paul said to Philemon, receive Onesimus as if you're receiving me. And Onesimus, when you think about it here and his experience and what has happened to him, he's a pattern, a pattern that many have experienced spiritually. A time of sin and rebellion in their lives and turning their back upon God and running away from the Lord. But being rescued, being brought back again. It's a wonderful demonstration here of the grace of God in a life. 
I want us just to think about it for a moment or two together. Picture here of God's grace and the sinner getting saved. What we can see firstly as we look at Onesimus is the rebellion of the sinner. Onesimus was actually in a Christian home. If you were following in the Bible reading, and you can see that in the opening of the letter, the Apostle Paul is writing here in verse 1 to to Philemon. And he says, Our dearly beloved and fellow laborer. And so Paul wants to make it clear right away that Philemon is a saved man. And he's a dearly beloved brother and he's a fellow laborer in the Lord. And then in verse 2, he mentions his wife. And to our beloved Aphia, she's beloved as well, beloved in the Lord. Here's a husband and wife in the home and they're both saved. Then you can see verse 2 goes on to speak about Archippus, our fellow soldier. It's accepted that Archippus was their son. And so here's a husband and wife and the mother and father and their son Archippus. And Paul says, he's also a fellow soldier. And so this is a Christian home. Our Tuesday night prayer meeting, we have been looking at Paul's letter to the Colossians. And really here we're seeing members of the church at Colossae, Philemon and Aphia and Archippus. They're all members of that church. In fact, as you read here, you find that the church was meeting in their house. And so that church that we have been thinking about at Colossae, here are members of that church, and the church actually met in their house. And in Colossians chapter 4 and down to the verse 17, as Paul writes to them, he says, And say to Archippus, Take heed to the ministry which thou hast received in the Lord, that thou fulfill it. Philemon and Aphia had a son who was serving the Lord at Colossae. Seems he may have even taken a pastoral role there within the church. And this is the home that Onesimus was in. He was a servant. He was employed there in that home. And therefore we could say most certainly that in such a Christian home where the very church was meeting in that home, Onesimus was one who had been brought into contact with the gospel. He would have been there in the home when the church was meeting. He may even have attended the meetings. He would have heard the gospel preached without doubt. He would have been well acquainted with the message of the gospel, with the need of salvation, He would have heard prayer being offered in that home. Here's a young man, Onesimus. And what a privilege that he was brought into the Christian home and was brought under the influence of the gospel. And doesn't that make it all the more tragic that this is the very individual who rebels against it? This is the individual who wronged his master and who ran away. Verse 11, as Paul speaks to Philemon about him, he said, which in time past was to thee unprofitable. There's the time when he 
He wronged you, Philemon, and he ran away from you. Unprofitable. It would almost suggest to us that part of the wrong was that Onesimus must have stolen something. And when he ran away, he he had stolen something and he took it with him. He was unprofitable to his master. Verse 18, if he hath wronged thee, And the way the apostle puts it here, there there has been a wrong. That way he became unprofitable to his master. He had wronged him. Then Paul says in verse 18, or he oweth the ought. Must have owed him. I would suggest he had stolen from him. Paul says in verse 18, put it on my account. And so, You can see here the individual Onesimus. He's in the Christian home. He's under the influence of the gospel. But he wrongs his master. And he runs away. And he's rebelling. As we said, that pictures the life of many an individual. Perhaps one who's had the privilege of being born into the Christian home. From your earliest days being brought under the influence of the gospel, there was never a time in your life when you can't remember that you'd been taught the gospel. As far as you're able to remember back, you remember the gospel. But as the years have passed, and the heart has hardened and you've never come to Christ, there's been something of a rebellion and turning your back on the Lord. Turning your back on the gospel. Maybe like Onesimus, there's a running away. Running away because of sin. Adam and Eve ran away from the Lord because of sin. Whenever the Lord came calling them, they heard the voice of the Lord. And we read in Genesis chapter 3 that they hid themselves. They wanted to get away from the Lord. And many have been like that. Many have headed for the big city. Onesimus headed for Rome. Thought he could hide away there in the multitudes of people and enjoy all that the big city had to offer him. He's a classic example of the prodigal. The prodigal ran to the far country. Wasted his substance with riotous living. We can see the rebellion here of Onesimus. But secondly, I want you to see the rescue of the sinner. Onesimus traveled far, many hundreds of miles, and he's now in a big crowded city. And no doubt when he made it that far, he felt that now he he wouldn't be found. It's like a needle in a haystack. He could just uh, disappear into the crowds of people. But God's eye was still upon him. The all-seeing eye of God. He couldn't hide from the Lord. You can run from God, but you cannot hide from God. You remember Jonah? And the Lord wanted him to go to Nineveh and he went in the opposite direction and he tried to run away from God. God went after him. God brought him back. 
You remember Hagar, whenever she fled, she came to the point where she said, Thou God seest me. Thou God seest me. The psalmist, the psalmist really indicates to us that you cannot hide away from the Lord. The Psalm 139, and there in the verse 7 and the verses that follow, the psalmist David said there, Whither shall I go from thy spirit? Or whither shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me, and thy right hand shall hold me. You see, you can't get away from the Lord. The New Testament there was Nathaniel. And the Lord saw Nathaniel even there under the fig tree. When thou wast under the tree, I saw thee. And in that big crowded city, the Lord saw Onesimus. And in the sovereign providence of Almighty God, Onesimus will be brought under the influence of the gospel again. He thought he had heard the last of it. He thought he had got far away from it. But here the Lord has worked things out in a most marvelous way where he's brought again to hear the message of the gospel. We don't know how that sovereign providential plan all worked out. We don't know. But as we have looked into the letter to the Colossians, we know that Epaphras, who was also there, the laborer in the church at Colossae, he went to Rome to visit Paul. And maybe when he went to Rome to visit Paul, he spotted Onesimus. And maybe that was the contact that introduced him to the apostle and brought him under the witness of the gospel. We can't help but think it was an answer to prayer. You imagine whenever he wronged Philemon and he fled. And then the next meeting of the church there in the house of Philemon. They'll pray for him. You can imagine the prayers for Onesimus. Lord, thou knowest. Thou knowest his sin. Thou knowest his condition. You know, Lord, he's, he's run away, he's rebelled. He's far away, but he's not too far for thee. Miles do not limit thee, Lord. You're able to reach him. You're able to bring him under the sound of the gospel. You're able to save him. Prayer was answered. We've noted those words of Paul. He's my son. Have begotten him. Paul was the instrument by which Onesimus was born again. And he's that brother, a brother in the Lord, a brother beloved. It's always great to hear when a soul gets saved, and here is a tremendous trophy of grace. He's mentioned in the letter that Paul sends to the Colossians. As he's giving there the closing greetings to the church at Colossae. He says in Colossians 4 and the verse 9, 
with Onesimus, a faithful and beloved brother who was one of you. Onesimus was there. He's now meeting with the church at Colossae. Here's the rebellious sinner. And he's become a new creature in Christ Jesus. He's been rescued. The rescue of the sinner. Maybe here you're saved and you can relate to this and you can look back to that time in your life whenever you were going in the opposite direction and you tried to run from the Lord and run from the gospel, but the love of God overtook you and the grace of God drew you back again. Thank God you were rescued. Rescued by the grace of God. John Newton John Newton had the godly influence in his early days from his mother. His mother who taught him the gospel, taught him the things of God and prayed for him. But John Newton grew up and he got away from the Lord. He didn't want the Lord and didn't want the gospel and he entered into a life of sin, of evil and of wickedness. He got involved in the slave trade. He became a very cruel man. And his involvement in the slave trade took him to the seas and he was there upon the ship called the Greyhound and a storm hit the ship. And in the midst of the storm, fearing that he was going to perish, he cried out to God for help. And he asked the Lord to get him through the storm. And the Lord answered that prayer. And John Newton gave his heart and life to the Lord. He became a changed man. Instead of trading in slaves, he then engaged in the business of the abolition of the slave trade. He joined with men like William Wilberforce and he sought to help fund the abolitionist movement that through William Wilberforce and others led to the abolition of the slave trade. John Newton, a changed man, and he penned those words that we were singing. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch, a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I am found, was blind, but now I see. The rescue of the rebellious sinner. When you think about the Apostle Paul in this letter here to Philemon, he becomes like a picture and a pattern of the Savior himself. Paul's pleading on behalf of another. I beseech thee for my son Onesimus. And then in that 18th verse, we already have drawn your attention to it a little earlier. He was ready to pay the debts of Onesimus. If he hath wronged thee, or oweth thee aught, put that on mine account. Isn't that what the Lord Jesus Christ does for the sinner that comes to him? Oh, we're debtors. We've wronged God. We've wronged our master, as it were. We have sinned against him. 
We have a debt that we ourselves could not pay. But praise God, that debt of sin has been paid by our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And that debt was paid with the precious blood that he shed upon Calvary. Paul never wanted the Colossians to forget that. And whenever he wrote to them, very early in that letter, he spoke of the Savior. And he said, in whom we have redemption. Redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Ah, let's never forget that the Lord Jesus Christ is the one who paid that debt that we ourselves could not pay. And he paid it with his precious blood. The Apostle Paul shows us that here in this wonderful demonstration of the grace of God. And surely our desire would be to see others rescued and to see others saved and won for the Master, just like Onesimus, the rescue of the sinner. C.T. Studd had a burden for souls. He had a great career ahead of him in cricket. He was a famous cricketer. But he gave it all up because of his burden for souls and his desire to serve the Lord. He wanted to go out to the mission field and he became a missionary in China, in India, in Africa, greatly used of the Lord. Left home and left family. He went out to serve the Lord. He said this, Some want to live within the sound of church or chapel bell, but I want to build a rescue shop within a yard of hell. I want to build a rescue shop. And those that are churches and our gospel meetings would become like rescue shops. And we would see sinners plucked as brands from the burning and seeing them won for the Lord Jesus Christ. And like Onesimus, they would become a beloved brother or a beloved sister in the Lord. The rebellion of the sinner and the rescue of the sinner and very quickly the reception of the sinner. The whole thrust of this letter from Paul to Philemon was receive him. Receive him back again. Look at verse 12. Whom I have sent again, thou therefore receive him. That is mine own bowels. Receive him. Paul's making that request and it's a strong request. He's, he's pleading with Philemon. He's beseeching Philemon. Receive him. Verse 15 for perhaps he therefore departed for a season that thou shouldest receive him forever. Those words receive him appear again. In verse 17, if thou count me therefore a partner, receive him as myself. And so Philemon is left in no doubt as to what the Apostle Paul is actually asking him to do. Paul's asking here his old master would receive him. The one who was guilty. The one who had wronged him. The one who had become unprofitable to him. Who, who no doubt owed him. Paul says, will you receive him back? He was to be received. Not as a servant. 
above a servant. He was to be a brother beloved in the Lord. In that sense, he was one who was equal with his master. Once we were slaves to sin and Satan, but now by the grace of God, the Lord Jesus Christ has received us. And we have become part of the family of God. That's how the Lord receives the sinner. Thank God the one who is rescued and redeemed is the one who is received by the Lord. We see Paul's role again typifying that of Christ. Receive him as myself. And we are received before God in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are accepted in the beloved. That's how we're accepted before God. Receive him. Paul's request with this letter, it hints at something more than just receiving him. You see down in verse 21, Paul has confidence. He says, having confidence in thy obedience, I wrote unto thee, knowing that thou wilt also do more than I say. There's something Paul there is hinting at as if he's saying, I want you to receive him, not as a servant, but as a brother beloved, and I know you'll go further. I know you'll do more than that. I believe Paul was referring there to his release. The former servant. You could release him. And you could let him go. Because the apostle Paul, who's now the aged man, as verse 9 indicates to us, he says he's profitable to me. Oh, Paul could use him in his service for the Lord. And Philemon could grant him that legal freedom that he would be able to go by way of service for the Lord and then the gospel set him free. That's what the gospel does for individuals. The gospel brings that freedom. We have a wonderful promise from the Lord Jesus Christ. He says in John 6 and 37, Him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. And so the Lord promises today that if there was an unconverted soul who would come to the Lord Jesus Christ, he's promised he'll receive them. He'll receive them and he'll never cast them out. And oh, that one today could be received and one could know the joy of sins forgiven. May the Lord bless these words to each of our hearts.